Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Satan's attack from within as we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And soon those groups are just feeding off of themselves. They are no longer really a, a, a real light within a community. The deliverance. Devil, devil, who's got the devil? And so anxious to go around and exercise. Whatever demon may have come into the room tonight. And if you burp, you're guilty of having the demon of gluttony. And so exorcism is in order. Well, you get so inbred, and of course you know the effect of inbreding is idiocy. And it's also sterility. You get to where you just don't reproduce healthy sheep any longer. Satan, his attacks from within the church. What happened here in Israel is that there were certain people and the priests were among them, and the rulers, who took advantage of the people's plight. And the people needed to borrow money in order to plant their crops, and these guys were charging exorbitant interest so that they weren't able to pay back the money, and they were having to give their crops uh, for the money, Then they started selling their children as slaves in order to get enough money to exist. And and they were having large families. They just couldn't feed their families. And, And the rulers were just taking advantage of the people and putting them into total bondage. And and here were families selling their daughters and their sons as slaves in order that they might just get by. And and it was great discouragement to the people because of the high interest and the advantage that the wealthy class were taking over the poor class, actually just making themselves richer and richer while they were oppressing the poor. And this really got to Nehemiah, and he called these rulers together, and he said, what you are doing is not right. Let's get rid of this usury, these high interest rates that you're charging. Set the servants that you've bought free, and let's start having an equanimity among us. And so they hearkened unto Nehemiah, and they obeyed his voice. He, he was so upset, he just shook his lap. And, and uh, he said, and so let God shake the person who is guilty of these exorbitant interest rates and the oppressions over his brothers. And so the people agreed to it. They all said, amen, and they praised the Lord together. Now, Nehemiah was a beautiful example unto the people in that he did not take a salary from the people. He did not take of their taxes, but he supported himself completely 
all the while that he was there, not exacting taxes upon the people in order that he might live a luxurious kind of life. The governors that had been there before him all lived off of the people, but Nehemiah lived off of his own resources, showing really that his heart was in his office, was not just a job, it was a real calling of his heart. And uh, he even fed his guest, and he had 150 people eating at his table every day, so it took one ox and a half a dozen sheep and all uh, to feed all of these people that came, but he took all of that out of his own pocket. And at the end of the chapter, he says, Lord, think upon me for good, because, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, according to all that I have done for this people. Now, Nehemiah went a step further than I would ever dare to go at that point. I've never asked the Lord to think upon me for good for the good that I have done. I always just say, think upon me, Lord, in grace and in mercy, because you are gracious and merciful, Lord, think about me. And, and I come to God on the basis not of what I have done or the good of my own life, but I always come to God on the basis of his grace and his mercy. There are times when I might be tempted to come to God on my own goodness right after I have done some gracious, benevolent act, but I'd have to come in a hurry because I might not be able to come in 10 minutes because I can blow it so quickly. So I would just rather come on the basis of God's grace and mercy because then I can always come. The door is never closed. It's always open to me. I'm never turned away because God is gracious and God is merciful unto those that call upon him. But uh, Nehemiah had done a very magnanimous job and in a magnanimous way, and thus uh, he asked the Lord to think upon him for good, for the good that he had done to the people. Now, his enemies weren't yet through. They still continued to seek to hinder the work and discourage him. And so when Samballat and Tobiah saw that the work was going on and the walls were getting up there, and there was just a few breaches left in the walls, that they sent a message to him saying, come on down into one of the cities, one of the villages, that we might talk with you and, and that we might, you know, talk about uh, detente and peaceful coexistence and all. And Nehemiah said, I knew that they were intending mischief on me. And they kept sending these notes, come on down, you know, we need to have a council, we need to meet together, we need to talk things over so that we can have an understanding. 
And four times they sent this kind of a message, but Nehemiah just ignored it. He said, I'm too busy doing the work of God to take time out to talk. And he did not slow up the work, but just continued. And then they sent the message and they said, now the rumor is that as soon as you get the walls built, you're going to proclaim yourself king and you're going to rebel against the king of Persia. And this is the message that is going to be sent to the king of Persia. So you better come down and, so that we can get things straightened out. And so here is a little bit of extortion kind of a thing or, uh, you know, blackmail. If you don't come down and talk, we're going to send this message to the king of Persia that you are intending, word is, the rumor's out, that you're intending as soon as the walls are up, you're going to proclaim yourself king and rebel against him. Of course, you remember Nehemiah was in very good terms with Artaxerxes and uh, he was a trusted servant to Artaxerxes, but when a fella is gone for a while, you never know what might be upon his mind or heart, and such news going back to the king could be very bad, and yet Nehemiah still uh, refused to go down. He said, there is no truth to it whatsoever, and just affirm the fact that it was a lie and that he was just going to go on continuing in the building. And uh, he just said, there's, there's no truth to it. And he dismissed it. Now, he was willing to allow God to be his defense against the lies that were being circulated. And it's an important thing for us that we learn to allow God to become our defense. Now, if you seek to defend yourself, God often will not defend you. You want to try to defend yourself? All right, go to it. But you know, you can get yourself so involved in trying to defend yourself from all of the attacks and all of the things that are being said that your whole life is just trying to go around and straighten out all the stories that are being told. You'd be amazed at the stories that I have heard that are being told about me. My jets. <laughs> and my yachts. Well, my little grandson has a little yacht that he, with battery-powered propeller that he puts in the swimming pool, but that's the closest thing to a yacht I have. And that's my grandson. And I had a jet sweep one time, <laughs> but never a jet airplane or never an airplane. But <laughs> the Jehovah Witnesses have their story about me that they tell to people when they go door to door. The Mormons have their story that they tell to people about me when they go door to door. Because we're one of the greatest threats to the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses in the county. Because we teach the Word of God. And the truth is always the greatest threat to the lie. Light is always the worst enemy of darkness. 
And because we just teach the word of God, they have a difficult time with us. Because we don't have any Babylonian hang-ups. It makes it tough for them. And of course, you people do too. Because they've gotten wiped out so many times when they've come to your doors, they get skittish when they see a fish sign around or on the bumper or so. A lot of times they'll just skip your house. And if you begin to challenge them with any kind of biblical intelligence at all, they'll usually say, do you go to Calvary Chapel? Well, Chuck Smith, you know, and then they, they've got all kinds of interesting little stories of, well, someone talked to Chuck Smith and he said, you know, and, and this kind of stuff. <laughs> now, if I sought to go around defending myself from all of these things, who told you that? And try and trace it down and get to the origin, you know. <laughs> I would be spending all my time trying to run down these stories. How the enemy would love that. Then I wouldn't have any time to study the word of God. To prepare my heart before the Lord in order that I might feed you. He would love very much to detract us from our purpose of serving God. Detract you from your serving of the Lord. Getting you to try to build your defense and defend yourself against the attacks or the challenges or the lies or whatever. He tried to distract Nehemiah. This story's been told about you. It's going to be sent to the king. You better come down. We better talk about this. He said, nothing to it. It's a lie. I won't come down. I'm too busy doing the work of God. Busy in this work. And so then they sent to him a fellow who came sort of in the guise of a prophet. The, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> They're out to get you, Nehemiah. You better go into the temple and sleep at night so you'll be safe. Because they're apt to slip into the city at night and they're out to get you. And so you better get in the temple where you can get behind the closed doors and be safe in there. And Nehemiah said that he realized that this was an attempt to strike fear in his heart and to create a reaction out of fear. Now, so often our reactions out of fear are wrong. Fear can motivate us to wrong movement. And they were trying to strike fear in his heart, trying to create this assailant. Assassins are going to get you. You better go into the temple of God and close the doors and sleep in there at night lest you become assassinated. And he said, I realized that he was not from God, that this was a lie, that they had paid him and put him up to this thing in order to strike fear in my heart. And he said, should uh, such a one as I 
do this thing? Should such a one as I, I'm God's servant. God is watching over me. God is protecting me. Should I try to find refuge by hiding in the temple? My God, think upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to their works and the prophecy and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Satan tries to use fear so often because fear is an enemy of faith. I believe that fear and faith are mutually exclusive. If you have fear, you don't have faith. If you have faith, you don't have fear. Where fear is allowed to take over, faith departs. Where you have that strong faith and confidence in God. And of course, again, he encouraged the people not to be afraid to remember God and putting it into practice in his own life, remembering that God was watching over him. Now, again, we do those things which are wise and prudent, but not motivated by fear or the fear of the enemy's attacks. And so he would not through fear, seek to find shelter within the temple. If God wants to protect him, God can protect him out on the walls. And he doesn't have to hide in the temple. And so the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elu. In 52 days, they completed this project of the rebuilding of the walls. It was many years before the city was completely rebuilt. The, the houses within the city were still pretty much rubble, but now at least they had protection from their enemies. The walls have now been built. And now, of course, it's just the setting up of the gates that is left there in the walls. But in 52 days, they had finished the building of the wall. Now, there were even some Jews that weren't totally loyal to Nehemiah, and he makes mention of them. And... Uh, they were reporting on him to Tobiah and Sambalat. And again, the idea was to put him into fear, but Nehemiah was not the kind of a man that would be brought down by fear. Now in chapter 7, it came to pass when the wall was built and the doors, the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed that he gave his brother Hanani. Now, this is the one who had come to Babylon and told him 
of the sad condition of Jerusalem and of the people. He gave them charge over Jerusalem to these faithful men who feared God above many. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is up. And before the sun goes down, make sure that the gates are closed, that the inhabitants of Jerusalem might actually dwell safely within its walls. Now, beginning with verse 5, you have actually a repetition of Ezra chapter 2, for this is a list of the registry that they found of the people who returned at the beginning when Cyrus had allowed some 49,000 or so of them to return. This is the same register that is given in Ezra 2, the families that came, the numbers of the family, and the items that they brought with them. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Nehemiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Nehemiah 5 through 7 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord watch over you as you go. May his hand be upon your life for good. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you and fill you with his Holy Spirit that you might walk in his love. May your life be as a light shining in a dark place, bringing hope those who sit in darkness. In Jesus' name.
This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts. But we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel family, may you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name, that it would be Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.